We Have Issues is a weekly podcast full of reviews of comics and oversharing. We use grown-up language to make very childish jokes. You can find the show at wehaveissues.net, as well as anywhere else where average to not too bad podcasts can be found. listener and welcome to we have issues 113 Uh, we're gonna get straight to talking about comics in a second this is a podcast about comics um there is a a, a double meaning to the to the name of it uh that's uh something that uh, someone i was arguing with on twitter the other day um seemed to think uh, they were uh catching catching me out with uh but no no, we do. It is. It is meant to suggest that we both have comics and have uh, personal problems. Uh, sometimes uh, emotional, personal problems. Basically, that the, 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 some of the people involved with the podcast have um, have uh, issues. That's intended. It's not like, oh, we named it. We have issues because because we got comic issues, and then by some uh, coincidence that the the obnoxious people online can uh, can use against us we're we're also uh neurotic i'm i'm also a real fucking mess and i don't realize it <laughs> yeah damn right you have issues mate uh, um no that's intentional that was intended uh I, i'm not saying that you listener would make that mistake i'm just saying that that that, that if if uh, if you're a fuckwit you might I don't, I don't think you're a fuckwit listener. Uh, I'm just saying that there are fuckwits out there. Some of them read comics. A disproportionate number of them, probably. But not, but not you. I mean, ho- hopefully you read comics. If you don't, some of this podcast can be a bit boring for you. But I, I tend to think that comics are, um, their strength really is that they could be a universal medium, if not for, uh, so many of the fuckwits reading and talking about and making them. They could be the medium that could, re- a, well, not the medium, a medium that could reach out to, uh, everyone, uh, those who read, but also those who like looking at things who don't read, but might start to read because they're, they're, uh, reading comics. Um, those who like exciting stories, you, you, you know what I'm getting at. I'm, I'm vaguely co- comic positive. Uh, and this show is vaguely comic positive. Um, I haven't actually read any comics this week myself. I can't remember if I mentioned that I'm Nick. I'm Nick. Uh, I, it tends to be me who stitches the show together. Um, I haven't read any comics, uh, that I really liked this week. Uh, so I won't be one of the people who's talking to you about comics. But, uh, Peter Hammerson, who is one of our regular contributors, he will be, he'll be talking about Scout. Uh, and, uh, then Jane, who is one of our, uh, main, one of pretty much my main co-host on the show, um, these days. She'll be talking about Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr. So that's to come. That's to come in a minute. If uh, you want to listen to all of the previous episodes of the show, you can do that by going to wehaveissues.net and uh, looking down the list and listening to previous episodes. They're all available there uh, for free. You can also go to your podcatcher of choice and type in We Have Issues and you should be able to find all of our previous episodes. If you do like what we do, uh, please do rate and review us at your podcatcher of choice. That would be excellent. And uh, do give us feedback. You can always give us feedback either on the blog post for this episode or uh, or you can talk to us online. Uh, the podcast is um, at Issues Pod on Twitter or there's a We Have Issues page on Facebook and uh, you're, you can always talk to us there. Um, I'm Nick Sight on twitter that's n-i-x-s-i-g-h-t uh my account is private but uh, i'm not fussy about who i join as a friend so um so there is that uh the podcast is also patreon supported 
the Patreon we've got, we use it to pay for the hosting and 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 little odds and odds and ends like that, and also to partially, uh, partially develop other new shows, other potential new shows. One of those new shows we just uh, managed to launch from the uh, the other ten percent site is a Hello Newman, which is another Seinfeld podcast. The second episode of that comes out uh, tomorrow, although that's probably today as you're listening to this, or it might be some point in the past. Um, those are coming out weekly on Mondays, and it's a podcast about Seinfeld from James, who is my podcast spouse, and uh, Steve, uh, who is Jane's life partner. And it's good. It's really good. The first episode was out um a little while ago and i listened to that and the next episode is out soon it's 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 weekly it's weekly and it comes out on mondays when you're listening to this if more than two will have come out i I just time gets really confusing when you're talking in terms of podcasts because people can listen to them anytime they want you know oh I didn't say when, uh, where the patron is. It's patron.com forward slash TOTP. And, uh, it's this podcast and Two Grown Men, which is, uh, kind of the sister, sister, cousin, uh, lover podcast to this one. Uh, it's, uh, me and my, uh, podcast spouse, James, that I previously mentioned talking about parenting and, uh, and otherwise being feckless and male. And in our forties, but yes, patreon.com forward slash totp. Um, if you are willing to support us, you can give as little as one dollar or as much as your dreams and finances allow. Um, I'm going to pass you over to Peter now, and uh, straight after Peter, we'll uh, just zip or fade, or whatever seems right when I'm editing, into me talking to Jane about uh, comics and other stuff. And uh, and then I'll be back at the end to say goodbye. Hello, it's Peter Hammerson here, reporting live from the centre of Gory. It is oh, about half past twelve on Wednesday the 1st of March, and I am heading to Gory Town Library. Now, normally I'd go to the library on a Thursday evening after work. However, I'm not going to be able to do that tomorrow, And it is imperative that I get to the library as quickly as possible, which is why I've come down here on my lunch break. But why? Why is it so important that I get to the library? Well, the reason is that as part of my epic library quest, which was, as you may be aware, my attempt to read every single graphic novel and trade paperback available in Gory Library... As part of that quest, I've picked up the first three volumes of Scalped. And after getting distracted for a while, I read all three of them in the space of two days. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for volume four. I need to make sure I get that as soon as possible. So I am here now to get volume four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, however many volumes the library will let me have. So, uh, it's a bit nippy outside. I am going to head in at this very moment. Okay, that's volumes one, two, and three returned. Now let's see. Oh. Four, five, six, and seven are on the shelves. Volume eight was hiding from me. Is that all of them, I wonder? I have no idea. Well, I'll borrow these now. (sighs) 
Okay, so that's me having borrowed volumes 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8 of Scout. And for good measure, I've also picked up Doom Patrol, Crawling from the Wreckage. And also the first of the new Black Panther series collections. So, um, huh, something interesting to read there. Now, I'm going to go somewhere a bit warmer, as I really do need to get back to the office. Okay, so um, I'm now in a more conducive environment. We're out of the wind, we're out of the rain, and uh, it's actually several days later. Now, my original intention was to record this part of the contribution as soon as I I got somewhere away from the library. However, um, well, let me put it this way. Sometimes there are books or TV shows where you, you read one chapter and think, oh, that was really good, I enjoyed that. I'll get round to the next chapter at some point, but but there's really no hurry. Other times there are books or TV shows where you get to the end of the first chapter and you can't wait for the next chapter, you have to have it straight away. Now that is what's happened with Scout with me, um, I had read three volumes before I went to the library. Um, since returning from the library I just read the rest of the volumes, a, a further, what, volumes four to eight in the trades that I borrowed, then discovered that there were two more trades, nine and ten. They weren't in the library service, so I had to download those from Comixology, then I read those two. So I have now read the entirety of Scalped, um, which is why I'm now recording this nearly a week later than I'd originally intended. Now, to give a bit of an introduction to exactly what Scalped is, if you're unfamiliar, it is a 60-issue series published by Vertigo. Uh, First issue was published in 2007, about 10 years ago now. It is written by Jason Aaron. The main artist is a gentleman named R.M. Guerrera, uh, and there are a few other artists who do the odd issue here and there, including David Ferno, uh, also Francesca Francavilla as well. Lettering is by Phil Ballsman and Steve Wands, I think, for the entirety of the run. And colours are split between Lee Luffridge and Julia Brusco. As I mentioned, the lead artist is R.M. Guerrera. And uh, although the other fill-in artists come and do specific, mostly one-shot, two-part stories, R.M. Guerrera really sets the tone for how the reservation looks and how it feels. He is... In some cases, very heavily inked. Scenes can be quite dark. The the artwork is is very rich. The violence, and there's a a lot of violence, is kinetic. It's painful looking. This isn't something which looks um, artistic or balletic. When these guys are slugging it with each other, they really are kicking the crap out of each other. And you feel that through the images. Although, similarly, again, in the quieter scenes, when it's just people talking, there's always a sense of the environment, the place where they are, the fact that it is a a reservation. It's wide, it's open, the buildings are low, the environment is natural but dusty, the hills are rugged, the shrubland is shrubby. It all really works to the strength and benefit of the story. Um, Now, I want to avoid spoilers when I tell you what Scout is about. So, uh, the bare basics. It is set on the Prairie Rose Native American Indian Reservation. Now, I don't know too much about the situation of Native Americans in modern-day America, but I do hope that the Prairie Rose Reservation isn't representative, because it is an awful place. Uh, The people are poor, It's riven with crime and drugs, and their tribal chief, uh, Mr. Lincoln Redcrow, is also the organised crime boss of the whole region. So, um, it's a pretty desperate place. Now, the story itself revolves around three characters. We have the aforementioned Lincoln Redcrow. He is a a once-upon-a-time Native American activist, turned tribal leader, turned criminal mastermind um, for complicated reasons against him we have fbi agent nitz 
He is corrupt. He's racist. He's pretty stupid, if I'm honest. And his vendetta against Red Crow goes back to the murder of two FBI agents in the mid-1970s. Um, thrown into between those two, we have Dashiell Badhorse, once upon a time resident of the Prairie Rose Reservation. He's a thug, he's a killer, he's violent, he has lots of demons driving him on. And also, he happens to be an undercover FBI agent now. So, the story is is really about those three and... Antics is probably the wrong word, but their attempts to fulfil their agendas uh, with the backdrop of the reservation. And, and really, the reservation, as it's described, is, is like a machine, I see it. Red Crow, Nitz and Bad Horse are all misshapen cogs grinding together at the centre of it. Everyone around them is getting worn out and ground down by the situations. Now, on the face of it, this should be a depressing read. But the characters are so powerful, they're fascinating, they've got deep motivations. You have to follow them even as things get worse. And and you do find yourself understanding them, them all really. Um, ultimately pitying or even hoping that the, the, the worst amongst them will be able to find some way to reach peace. Ed Brubaker puts this very well in his introduction to Book 4, um, and I would like to just quote a part of that introduction now. When you're reading a good noir, the shocks and twists have a way of feeling déjà vu-like, as if you saw them coming but hoped the characters would take a left turn, not answer that phone, not sleep with that woman, not sell drugs to those cops, but you knew they would. It would have been wrong if they didn't, and the real surprise can be that you care about someone you know is in for hell. You relate to them, even when their hell is so much bigger than your own. But we're all going to die, and we all make mistakes. The best noir stories make you forget plot entirely by giving you characters that feel so well realised you can't look away as they fall. That is Scalped. I'll leave you with this. If you haven't yet read it, and it is within your means to do so, read it. It is simply the best thing that I've ever borrowed from a library. Now, um, if you would like to come at me with Scalped Opinions, by all means, I'm on Twitter, uh, at Peter H, that's P-Y-T-Y-R-H, because I never do things the easy way. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, I will talk to you again soon. Bye. That sounds really and nice. And it was only £13.95, think about it, for a blockbuster. It was only a pound or two more than... Wait, for you on your own? Uh, yes, but uh. we got two for one. Oh, yeah. that is nice. I see. That sounds pretty ginchy. Because, like, I mean, four quid is almost too cheap for a cinema. I don't think it's. I don't think that's been the price to go to the cinema since the early nineties. I don't think I've ever. I think since I was. I mean, when I was a child, you got to pay four pounds. I think OAPs do they pay four pounds? No, don't do they? It's like nine quid. I don't know. I don't know why an OAP would be going to the cinema anyway. They should be filling their days with like whist. And- whist. I don't know. Is that, is that a game old pit? Is that even a game? Did I just make that up? A game? Oh, it's in a game. I thought you meant like whist as in wistfulness. I thought you... Wist, wistfulness and whimsy. <laughs> yeah. I've always thought you thought old people do. You just look longingly out into the distance thinking about their life. Um, I think that's what they... I mean, that's what I'd do given, you know, the time to just sit around and consider the end. I think I'd, I'd do you exactly wouldn't. that. I think you'd get bored of thinking about it and then go, I'm just going to go and play some video games. I've spent 43 years thinking about it already. Yeah. And playing video games. I can multitask. I know they say that it's just a girl thing, but I can do it. Oh, uh, uh, happy International Thank Women's you. Day. Jane, you're a woman and you're international. You're yeah. literally international. Literally international. In, in, literally, literally, literally international. Uh, to celebrate 
I will really try not to talk over you or explain stuff to you that you can already know, you can already know, or should already know, or probably already know. I find I over-explain things. I can't say mansplain; it's not a man. Lady-splain. Lady-splain. Is that is lady-splain a bit weird? I don't know. Jane-splain. Jane-splain. Yeah, I Jane-splain. There you go. That's a good way of doing it. I think it's a very for me. It feels like a very specific. The way I do it seems very specific to me. Uh, indeed. Um, so I've always called it Nick-splain, just because I do it to everyone, and I do it because I'm worried people won't. Well, I'm worried that people won't understand. I go to a writers group. I'm in a writers group now um, here at work, and it's. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't have got it together to go to it, and I probably wouldn't continue going to it if it wasn't someone in my actual office that I work in who um, kind of like pulled it together and runs it. So, so there's always that weekly. She's there, and and so I walk over with her, and it's nice. Um, and but and I think this might be kind of my fault. The meet the meetings tend quite often to be as much about psychoanalysis, like psychoanalyzing why we why we want to write things and etc etc etc. Oh wow! So um and how we feel about like how open we feel about what we're doing and and like about what we write and stuff like that. And um, I realized well not realized because I know because I think about this all the time. Uh, we were talking about how uh. Yeah, how open, whether, um, whether people are concerned about how much they give of themselves and like how, how like honest they are in their writing and stuff like that. And I didn't get to answer, but I think everyone kind of knows that like that when I write, everyone there, I think knows that no, I, there aren't really any filters because literally what I'm the re, one of the reasons I write and tweet and everything like that is because I literally think that if people don't understand me and if my, what I think isn't out there and people forget I exist, I will literally cease to exist. That's, I kind of deep down half believe that. Wow. It's weird, isn't it? Um, there's a line in a high fidelity in, not in a high fidelity book, in the book High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. There's a line that didn't make it into the film at all. Maybe because it's not really funny or anything and the film's quite funny. Um, where he's talking about, I think he's lying in bed. Or he's talking about sometimes when he lies, lay in bed next to his girlfriend, um, or like, it, it, it's something about worrying that, um, if he didn't have someone to hold him here, he would just float away and disappear or something like that. That, that fear that if people don't know you're there, then you'll just cease, cease to exist. Yeah. And I know it's not really going to happen. No. But it occurred to me. That when I was at school, I was really scared of spontaneous human combustion. I'm still scared of that now. Yeah. And part of that is I don't want to burn. You know, I don't. It's mysterious and I don't like it. Yeah. But I just remembered that there was this um, story about a girl, a school girl, who would have been roughly the same age as I was when I was reading about it, who was sent off, was feeling ill in the classroom, so was sent off to see the nurse. And uh, as, like, she never made it across the playground, which was you had to cross the playground, uh, nobody saw her going across, but, like, they just found the remains of her in the middle of the playground. And the thing that I realised about... um I've come to realise that that really got under my skin about all of that stuff is it all no-one ever saw it happen. And obviously no one ever saw it happen because it probably doesn't really happen. There's There's probably other things that that make it happen like you people smoking in bed or you know smoking on the sofa or stuff like that there's probably some reason why people go up in flames but to me the bit that was important was when people aren't looking at you you can just disappear that that can and happen. that was a literal nobody was watching and she yeah. she turned to a pile of ash i think that was the connection i made and i don't know if i don't know if it's because of spontaneous human combustion that i'm worried about this stuff or if I would have been worried about this stuff anyway and spontaneous human combustion is just the thing that ties it together. Because there's also the way that sometimes if I can't see people around me, we were talking about this actually at the same... It's like a, it's like group therapy, really, this one <laughs> group. Um, we, we were talking about this, that like when I move jobs or move school, moved schools or whatever, um, 
it was almost for me as if, and there's no meanness in it or intended like uh, intended disinterest or whatever. I'd be totally into my friends while I lived there or whatever. Yeah. But the minute I wasn't seeing them every day, it was literally like people stopped existing. And I have to be really careful about that. I'm not. I'm not great at keeping track of people once I, they're no longer right there in front of uh, me. That's. But so, I suppose that, that's not uncommon. A lot of people are like that. Oh sure. I think I'm almost pathologically like that. Like, like literally, only my son and I. And I, you know, I. Uh, I don't. It. It. It isn't. It isn't a mean thing or anything. I don't think it's like a personal thing to anyone. Yeah. But literally only my wife, the only people I've ever really missed in my life are Amy and the two boys mm. when they're away for a couple of days. I don't really, because I'm kind of like intellectually, I know that I'll see people again or whatever. But, and that's the, intellectually, I know that people aren't, you know, they're right there if you need them. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a like, there's no tugging in me where I think yeah there's not that emotional cord I just don't really think about people when they're not there and so that's probably why I'm worried that people won't think about me and then I'll just vanish or float away or or burn up see now I can experience a different kind of missing people because my father is dead oh dead he's going to be dead 10 years this year I've just brought this whole thing down um, no, I think I was I was doing a pretty good job. <laughs> but you describing that, and I'm and I was just thinking about yeah, who do I miss? No, I actually I miss friends. So there are mm. people I miss that I don't see, and I know that they're still there and they're fine. But I miss them. Like I feel a sense of I really want to see them at some point. Not a, I'll get around to seeing them. My immediate family and life partner Steve. If they're not, you know, even with Steve for a few hours, if he goes out, I'm like. I miss him. You know, that kind of it's that kind of tug. Saying my mum, my brother, I'm like, oh, I really miss them. But missing someone that's dead is completely different because you know you can't see them. They have ceased All to right, exist. They're just gone. Yeah, they've gone, and it's a, it's a missing that you know can't be fulfilled hmm. as well. So that's that's a strange feeling of missing somebody how old how old were you, you were... i was 20 oh gosh how am i now 22 oh yeah of course I'll be 30 so you had a full relate you had like a relation you knew oh it's yeah not yeah, like, yeah yeah i was very very close to my dad and you know yeah it's okay. not like you never got to so i'm not i i'm not i don't mean to be reductive about it but it's not by saying by saying it's not like you didn't have a relationship as an adult i don't mean well, it would have been worse if you hadn't. What I mean is, like, when you when you're small and you grow up without that person, mm-hmm. then they're more of an idea. That, do, you, do you see yeah, what I, I see mean? mean? Yeah. So, so as an, but as an adult, especially because I wasn't, you know, I was a young adult when he died. But there would be things we just like everyday things when. So this goes for anyone, regardless of. So we'll take the missing part out of it. There are things on a day-to-day basis where you're like, oh, that's really funny. I know someone who's really going to mm-hmm. enjoy that. That kind of thing in your text or something or Facebook or whatever it is. And then there are sort of in things that only the people you really miss would really get. Mm-hmm. And then there are, but there's the whole thought process of, oh, I, you know, oh, I'd really, oh, I can't. Mm. Like there are just things that happen like, oh my God, my dad would love, like things that have happened because time has moved on. And you think, oh my God. I wish he was, you know, I'd love to tell him or talk to him about this, especially as I'm a bit more grown up and mm. it would be a different conversation, that kind of thing. That's a different kind of missing. That's a can't be fulfilled kind of missing. That sounds really complicated. <laughs> I, I suppose it is. It is complicated because you can't, but then you've not forgotten them. So there's mm. that element of it as well. I remember one of the first things, like, because when you go through bereavement, there are firsts of many, many things. I can remember one of my first thoughts after I came out of the haze of grief was um, thinking about how my dad would never know what happened to Madeleine McCann. <laughs> Not that we do now, but at the time oh, she'd yeah. just gone missing and it was so massive the year that he died. And it was like a few months afterwards. And I was like, that's really, he wouldn't care. What did he but, think? What did he think was. I, did, well, I had never had a conversation about it because right. no, none of us really cared, but it was just, it was so, it was just one of those things that. 
it's so inconsequential and it's just a news item to us because we have no relationship mm. with these people at all. It's very sad that their daughter had gone missing and especially at the time there wasn't all the rumours that were going around but it was so massive and I remember thinking, yeah, he, he's never going to know. Like that's, that's weird. Mm. <laughs> just like, I know he's dead, but you can't. But you know, as a conscious life person, like that would really bug me if I didn't know something and it was out there. But. Was he a pretty practical, sort of pragmatic? Yeah, oh yeah. When, well, then he would have thought the parents did it. Surely. <laughs> when um, many years before he did die, and uh, he and my mum were talk for some reason talking about burials. I don't know if why the conversation come up, but so we're talking about being buried, and my dad was like, "Oh, I don't care. Just put me in a dustbin." <laughs> Oh, okay. I was just like, just put me in a bin, and then the bin men have to do. He was half joking. Obviously, yeah. I don't think he he really wanted the bin men to find it. Explaining that as well, it's just like, but it was his sort of flippant way of, yeah. I'll be dead. I'm really not going to care what happens to me, kind of thing. Because um, he was very pragmatic in that actually dispose, you know, disposing of human bodies and things like that is, is difficult and costly, and he didn't. <laughs> Especially if you don't want people to know about it. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, he's very pragmatic about stuff. So, yeah, he probably just thought, meh, the parents did it. But uh, to be honest, I don't think he actually cared. Yeah. But that, and that was how inconsequential the thought was that I didn't care either. He wouldn't have cared. But that's something he wouldn't have known. It was like the first thing I was, like that was nothing to do with this is my first Monday without him. This mm. is my first Tuesday without him. This is my first... August without him is my first, you know, that, and I'm not, I'm, I don't know if I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone on this, but the milestones are many and mm. quite small, but that was my first non-connected thought was he won't know what happened to Madeline McCann. I feel like that might be two different things combined. So one of the things is it's your, like, obviously thinking about your dad, but you're getting... You've probably been at the age for a little while, but you're definitely going to be getting to the age where you think, fucking hell, was that 10 years ago? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Or something yeah, like yeah. that, about things like that. Yeah, because that was, gosh, that was 10 years ago. I was, I don't think I told you this story, but I might have told James on the other podcast. But, um, but the, uh, and it's not really a story, but the other day I was in the kitchen at work and I was shaking, uh, I was making some tea for someone. So I got the milk out and there wasn't that much in the bottom of the bottle and, it smelled fine because I, I always sniff mm. it anyway. It smelled fine, but I shook it anyway. And I, and I was thinking, and there was someone else there. So I questioned why I was doing it because someone else was there. And I thought they're going to be wondering why I'm doing this. And I've always just kind of told myself that it's maybe because if it is going off a bit, then it'll just mix it up and that'll be better. Something like <laughs> that. I think I've always told, told myself that. Um, but I, th- once I, I took just a second to think about it. And I realized that what it is is that when I was growing up, and we never had plastic bottles of milk. This mm. just wasn't a thing. But when I was growing up, you got whole milk. Mm-hmm. There wasn't oh, an option for semi-skim. For so you yeah. had to shake it for the cream. Yeah. I don't remember ever, because I, I don't remember ever doing that yeah. back then. Yeah. But that must be why I do it yeah. now. And that's been 20 years since that's been I know, a, I still do. God, that's, I still do it as well. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I always do it. It's weird. It's like um, when you put a cap back on something and I always instinctively tip the bottle again to make sure I've sealed the cap properly. Oh, I don't even know that was But a that's thing. the thing I've got from my parents. I got it from my mum, her constantly checking before it goes back in the fridge so it doesn't leak. God. I know. OCD is totally catching, isn't I it? I love oh, my OCD is too much. But yeah, that I do it of every bottle when I put a lid back on it, even though you, you know it's not going to spill and sometimes like the water bottles you get now so my water bottles at work are just like they're proper Mm. rubber sealed tight they're not going to leak at all but i still have to do the tipping motion to convince myself that that is a proper seal Mm. Uh, merlin man said a long time ago and he might have changed his mind on it by now but um that he explained what he thought the the difference between um like obsessive compulsions and obsessive compulsive disorder Mm. is that everyone kind of to a lesser or greater degree has obsessive compulsions like when you're walking along a pavement you might like nearly everyone might start to either pointedly step on the cracks or deliberately not step on the cracks 
but um, or like have to check the lock or whatever. Mm. But when it becomes a disorder, is when you, you, people do it because it's comforting. Well, almost. it's it's not. There's a it's it's the the obsessive compulsive comes from a thought that if I don't do this, something bad. Something, that's where the disorder yeah, comes from. Yeah, that's the disorder. Like, something bad. So, yeah. Something unrelated and bad. So yeah, quite often. Yeah. yeah. So, so if I don't tre- like the step on the crack, break mm. your mother's. But I mean, I don't want to bring parents into it again, obviously. <laughs> but um, you the Madeleine McCann thing. This is such a great segue. So um, the uh, you probably shouldn't announce. Did they find her? That that, no. no. Well, I mean, okay. the, the, every time, every time one of the right wing tabloids wants to uh, cover up a, a story that they should really be covering, um, they will find someone who might be her. It's never really her. Oh, okay. She's either dead or we'll never hear about it. It's like it doesn't. I mean, anyway. So I didn't care about her either until. I was at Unrelated Films, like, go at the cinema, unrelatedly, a year or so later, and um, and suddenly there was an advert during the adverts with her face up there. Oh, my God. Her lovely, uh, lovely little blonde, because we only really care about her because she was a pretty little blonde thing. Um, her blonde face saying, look, remember, remember, Madeleine McCann, you nearly forgot her name because it was a couple of years ago, but look. She she was a little girl. She went missing. She had rich parents. I remember, mustn't forget that she went missing. And I, and I was like, it's amazing how much my uh, cinema experience that I've paid for a lot of money for being disrupted yes. will, will put me off. Because yeah. I didn't really care that much about piracy until like they started. You spent £10 on a ticket and they still spend two minutes of the time leading into it that they could have shown you a film trailer trying to make you feel guilty about piracy and I'm like I bought my ticket motherfucker yeah exactly I don't think you need to worry about piracy here and bringing me down about Maddie McCann that was uh, that mm. was the point at which I thought oh for, go- oh, for goodness sakes <laughs> <laughs> if it was my child obviously yeah. I reserve the right to oh, care yeah, more exactly. about it exactly that's the thing I mean it's tragic and it's horrible and everything else but I don't care I mean I can't I don't how I'd be weird if I did care, wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, like, yeah. I don't. It wasn't even in England. It's not as if I can go out and hunt for her either. I'm like, no, it definitely wasn't you. You I weren't around. I wasn't there. <laughs> I no one, I mean, no one can really prove <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, like, I meant to help, not more like eliminate myself. Oh, I see. The, I meant like I can't go to the place and go look under rocks or something for her. I can I can't? You know, I'd have to get on a plane and then be like, oh right, okay, so where? Like, like. I rustle some bushes to see if she's in. I don't know what you do when you look for people. In case she's in case she's been hiding out <laughs> yeah. from a scary boogeyman all this time. She was hide and seek, and she's still there. I mean, um, it happens. But anyway, cinema experiences. I don't like my cinema experiences being disrupted. No. You've seen Logan this week. I have. We're going to talk about it next we week. We are because I'm going to watch it in about half an hour. My, I, I am going to base my cinema experience was way better. It's going to be way better. Yeah, it's going to be way better than mine. <laughs> uh, the seats, it sounds like we we might have actually. It might be on. The listener might have heard it already. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I can't remember if I'd started recording then. God, I'm giving myself an editing job just talking. Yeah, why about did it. you just cut this out? It's fine. I'll just cut this out. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be going to see Logan soon. Yeah, I haven't read any comics yet, anyway. But you've got a book to talk about. I have about. got a book. So I'm still getting through my uh, Christmas. Although this technically isn't a Christmas present. What is it? Um, it's technically a leaving present because when I left my last job, um, I got a lot of Forbidden Planet vouchers. Oh. Yeah, I had a couple of colleagues that were looking out for me. Um, so this was actually bought with my Forbidden Planet vouchers for my leaving present. So... Thank you, old work colleagues. This is very generous of you. How how did you know? And you shouldn't have. How often do you think about your old work colleagues? Because I once saw one I've yesterday. Place, I forget. Is that James? No, it wasn't James. Okay. It's my friend Phil. Who's James's replacement? No one could ever replace James. Oh, someone did. Where would you find someone like that? Well. Oh, you mean the job? Yeah, the job. Speaking, yeah, the job. Okay, yeah, the right. job. Um, yes, yeah, so, and that's who I went to see Logan with. So he's geek, and also that's. I, I'm, he is the reason I got Forbidden Planet vouchers as well. So, uh, so what is the book? Because it looks gorgeous. The book is called Two Brothers. It is by Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Barr. Um, it was published in, I think it was late 2015 or early 2016. It came mm-hmm. around about that time. And it's based on the work of Milton, I'm going to say his name wrong, Hatium, Hatium, who's a 
Lebanese-born Brazilian writer. Oh. Um, so it's, this is based on one of his novels. Um, I didn't know he existed before. I just it was just Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bar, and I was just going to something I don't own of theirs. I'm going to buy it. Um, so I didn't know it was based on a an adaptation of a book, hmm. um, which is called The Brothers, not Two Brothers. Um, so I will be seeking that out because it has got an English translation, and I will, uh, they've they've got it in English. So you're not going to learn the original. Um, I'm not very clever, Nick, so I don't think <laughs> I, I can. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even learn Greek, so it's fine. Um, the uh, it's worth mentioning, I think, that like you've been reading comics for a while now, probably what eight nine years. Yeah, yeah. Didn't were, weren't they one of the first like set? Didn't you, your the relationship f- with them goes back? Yes, to them, yes, it? yes. I think they they are definitely one of the first. They're definitely the first creators that I fell in love with their artwork and their story style. Mm. As in, I unconditionally would seek out anything they did. I would buy Mm. that kind of, I love everything you do. Um, And they are, it's weird reading them and looking at their art style now, how familiar they are, like Mm. how comforting it is. It's so strange, just how much I love their work and their style and how comfort how comforting it is when I when I see it. Even when they are changing things up a little mm-hmm. bit, it's still really nice. Um so that was odd when I was reading this. I was yeah. like, oh it's like an old familiar friend. It's Do they swap back and forth on the art and well you you're gonna talk about it. Yeah, I'll talk about it. it. Um so actually that's a really good um point. It doesn't specify if they do. You do notice differences. Um so maybe sure. they chop and change back. Their art styles, to be fair, are really like that. They're, they're they're each other's biggest influences in terms of their art styles, anyway. So I think there are differences between their art, but they're so similar. Yeah. Yes, there are. De- there definitely are differences, but I don't. I don't think I really noticed it. If <laughs> there's definitely a theme within the. No, actually, I'd say no. Yeah, it does change. <laughs> like, I don't think I realise. I did read this book in chunks because it is quite big. Anyway, so mm, it's huge. It is huge. So it's in a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous hardback. It's a black and white comic, and it's by Dark Horse. Mm, I love it. It looks really, really good. It's a really nice uh, cover design as well. Yeah. So I have to know. I can't give you the price of this listener because I got it pre pre Brexit hiking up the prices price. Like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it'll be twice as expensive. Yeah, now. it's probably going to be like a hundred million pounds now. It's worth it. You should probably buy it. Anyway. It's probably only a million pounds before now. It's a hundred. Yeah, million that's a hundred million. <laughs> um, so, two brothers is about two brothers. Oh, okay, yeah. that's a twist I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's about twin brothers Omar and I can't pronounce his surname. Um, pronounce the other brother's name because it is an unusual name. Like. I want to say Yaku. 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 Is that Y A Q U E? I think it is. Y A Q U E. If I just made that Yuck. up. Yeah, it's not Jack. That's not. A... Is it Jack? I'm going to look it up. You keep going. You yeah. press on. So it's about um, it's about two brothers who have fallen out. So they have a feud, and this story takes you right from when they were small children and. They were separated right through to when they're grown up. And the story chops and changes as it would do in a novel, not so much in a comic, I find. But it does chop and change to past and then present and then past, present, past, present. But like in different stages of the past. So it'll be from when they're really young to when they're a bit older the, the narrative jump, jumps around quite a lot which is fine you can completely catch up you can keep completely keep up with it which is unusual for a comic it tends mm-hmm. to get drowned a little bit when they're jumping around too much um, especially it's black and white as well so there's no colour scheme usually with with past present colour schemes yeah there's normally something yeah to kind it. of indicate it so there isn't really that that in this so um but it works really well. So you, you find out the, the feud that they have and it's narrated by somebody 
and you don't know who it is until sort of later on in the story and then you don't really know who they are until much later on in the story. So it's got loads of twists entwined and it's very drama-based. It's the um, Omar and Yaku's um, mother and father and their story and how they got together and... Um, I'm just looking back actually because that's just thought it's probably on the back of the so it's Y-A-Q-U-E did you say I think that's right let's see I'm going to listen to audio of it now okay we'll see I'm going to make some noises with my book oh my phone's being stupid I'll cut I'll cut this so it seems smoother okay it says phonetic English yak pronunciation and spelling you you hear you hear yeah that's have I got it right oh no you I don't know. Looks like yak, to be honest. Oh, this is pretty. Oh, it's not. (laughs) What is it? Is it Jack? It's Y A Q U B. I don't know. What? I don't know. That sounds like like Jacob. Y A Q. Yeah. Do you think? Because I wasn't sure. Jacob. Uh, oh, that looks. There's loads of things coming up with that. Um, pronoun- <sighs> this is how to pronounce Jacob. It's Arabic, Morocco. It sounds about yes, right. yeah, yeah. Their their um their father is of Arabic. Pronouncenames.com. <laughs> okay. Come on. Yakub. Yakub. Yeah. That look sounds like an Arabic version Yaqub. of Jacob. Yaqub. Okay. So Yakub and Omar. Yeah. And their father is Hallam and their mother is Zana. So those names I could do. And there's... They've got a sister. So they've got a younger sister, right? God. R-A-N-I-A. But the A has a hat. Right, okay. You keep going. Okay. R-A-N-I-A. Yeah. It seems like a good time to mention that um, I read a really good like blog post or article about um it was about the oscars but about the did i mention this last week it's about the normalization of like anglo-saxon names because the what was that repulsive man who was presenting the oscars was it the kimmel or the other one Oh, God. One of those two. I think it's Jimmy Kimmel, wasn't it? Might have been Jimmy Kimmel, but he made, like, two separate jokes about people's, about, I think, Arabic names and how, like, and then mentioned English names and said, oh, yeah, see, that's a good normal, that's a proper name. And it's like, well, it seems harmless, and I don't think he was being deliberately racist, uh, but ultimately all of that shit just undermines, like, the fact that they're not, they're not weird names. They're no. just different, like from a different yeah. culture. So, um, so, but, uh, but here's us completely like doing the same thing. Rania, R-A-N-I-A. Rania. So, let's see how to pronounce Rania. Thank you, pronouncenames.com. No, come on. That makes sense, yeah, Rania. Come on. It says it's French though. Oh, I've switched this out. Sorry. This is all going swimmingly. How are you feeling about this? Rania. <laughs> Hanya? Hanya. That's a beautiful name. Yeah. It's like... Do we have the correct pronunciation of your name? No, shut, shut <laughs> up. Uh, probably not. It's Papa Constantini. Give me a break. Um, Hanya. Hanya. That's, that's a like, really nice That's like name. a nicer pronunciation of the name Anya. Oh. I like it. I think we can say nice pronunciation of the name Hannah. Hanya. Oh, no. Ha- yeah, I mean, I don't want to disparage Hannah as a name. No, I like but Hannah yeah, as a name. Yeah. But I thought that was. But okay. That's so, so we have Yakub, hmm? Omar, who are the twins. You have Halim and Zana, who are mum and dad. And then Hanna, Hanya, 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 Hanya as mm-hmm. the sister. So she's younger. So the feud is between the brothers. Um, and at first you think it's Hanya who is giving the narrative, being that she's younger, but you realise that later on it's not her, it's somebody else. And I don't think that's too much of a spoiler because you, you figure that out fairly early mm-hmm. on. Um, it's There's lots of family themes in it. 
unsurprisingly, and where it's set in um, where it's set in uh, Manus, which is on the riverbanks of Amaz- the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, there was it sets uh, during second starts in, during Second World War. Oh right, okay. Yeah, so it's it, it's um, not in present day. It starts in the second during Second World War. There's lots of unrest going on anyway in the country, and then as it progresses through the decades, their their city changes, and there's lots of how their city changes impacts on them as a family, and then there's lots of family changes as well, and it's all very dramatic, but it's so beautifully done. It doesn't feel like you're watching a saga or anything like that. It does just feel like this really complicated beautiful story about a family which is not you know there's they have their shared tragedy and um the whole thing about the brothers having a feud as well and how that how that changes the dynamic of the family very very early on and how that then reinforces a lot of people's feelings in the family throughout their whole lives as well and the plea for them to reconcile is doesn't come up very often and it's it's more of an unspoken thing mm-hmm. that they just want them to do it. There doesn't seem to be any way... The communication between the family is very strained as well and I think a lot of it's to do with um, pride and sort of not wanting to hurt other family members too. So it's all it's all very all very very relatable. All very relatable. Have you seen Have you seen um, the Netflix series Bloodlines? Yes. Oh yeah. I love, yes. So not in a dramatic, not as dramatic as Bloodlines, mm-hmm. but that whole sense of they're still family and blood is still thicker, yeah. you know, than water. That kind of thing. Um, so not the murder mystery that's in that. Like, no. Which is no. 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 It's not. That's spoiling again. I don't think it, there is anything like that. It is melodramatic, but it is more around how the brothers are twins but they're so very very different mm-hmm. and they're different because of um instance that happened with their child and the mother perhaps allowing one son to be more clingy than the other and mm-hmm. just not loving one any more than the other one but just the their her relationship and the father's relationship with them and how that impacts as well see so, yeah one son's very self-sufficient he has you know he's not wanted for anything from his family he's gone off he's very clever he's worked really hard but he had more of a stunt stunted beginning Mm -hmm. because of events that happened early on in life whereas the other brothers kind of had it really easy and is a bit of a slob and doesn't do anything and so the dynamic of the two brothers is very different which is really interesting the way that their parents interact with them is really interesting and their younger sister as well, who um, you feel a bit sorry for her. She kind of gets, there's a lot of expectation for her to get married and have children and all this stuff, but there's none of this going and being a, what and doing what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And it, although it's not a prominent thing, there is some scornfulness from her mum about her, some of the lifestyle choices that she makes as well, which is interesting. And they have kind of an adopted daughter who, um, is older than the boys and she's an Indian girl that the orphanage sort of passed on to them (laughs) before they had children. And, uh, she's, she's almost like a servant, I guess. She, she, I guess, I don't know if that's a thing. If people were given back in the day, people. Children who are like servants. Yeah. I don't know if that, well, they looked after them in return. They did housework and stuff. I mean, they're not cruel to her and, but she's not. Part, she doesn't feel like part of the family in some some parts. Oh, yeah. It is weird. I don't, I don't know if that's back in the day. That's what happened to help um, home, home children that there were might orphaned. Be, but. I suppose there might be more context to that in the actual novel. It yeah. sounds like quite a like a family lit, like a yeah. It isn't the sort of story you see in comics very often, no. but it does sound like and the sort of thing you see in literature quite often. Are there, is their storytelling quite, cause they do Casanova, which is just nuts, <laughs> with Matt Fraction, which yeah. is just nuts, but also, or one of them does anyway, but, um, but then at the same time, Day Tripper was really, even though the, the story was a little bit strange in that, it was really accessible in terms of storytelling. Yeah. So, this is a, the sort of story that you hear, um, 
like we'll mention bloodlines even though again it sounds different from that but it's a very lit- literature-esque this is the sort of thing you see in bookshops an yeah. awful lot um, yeah do you think it's something that like someone who doesn't normally read comics but might read one of those books would be a, i mean you love the you love the medium anyway yeah. so it's kind of difficult i suppose to... i think yeah i think someone who doesn't read comic books who likes who would want a no is novella the right word like a, a novel novel i think is yeah. <laughs> what's novella then is that novella's like a smaller novel oh. who or wants... like telenovela is like those um those spanish uh, soap operas that you see in American things all the oh, time. Oh, no, it's like a Spanish. But, uh, but novella is like a smaller novel. Okay. Unless Stephen King's doing it, in which case it's still 250 pages anyway. All oh, right. Okay. So I don't know. So it has, the narr- it has that novel structure, structure you'd find in a novel, um, and follows a similar narrative that isn't, that's quite unusual in comics. So I think if you weren't into comics, but you loved reading nonfiction or mm-hmm. any novel at all, you'd really enjoy this. But... Uh, it's quite unique. I can't see how you'd springboard onto the Green Lantern from there. How would you, how would you go from there? But, um, well, no, I'm actually doing, I'm doing the medium disservice. You have, um, oh gosh, what the book that James loved about Israel, which I bought for my mum and I can't even remember. It was by Sarah. Oh, how awful is that? My memory's he's just... He's talked about a few. He's talked about a couple of, from there, but I think, is it the one about the woman who goes on the kibbutz? Yeah, on the kibbutz. Yeah, because I, I bought that from my mum. So my mum probably would never pick up a comic in her life. But Did she read it? She did read it, oh, and she really enjoyed it. Um, but uh, I, I couldn't then give her Why the Last Man or, mm-hmm. or something like that to um, to follow on for it. But maybe even this, but uh, what... <laughs> think what i'm trying to say very inarticulately is that there are other books like this in the medium so i'm doing a disservice there are people's accounts real experiences that follow yeah. a very similar narrative in picture form which i think people who would enjoy this would also enjoy that kind of yeah. kind of story as well they're not what they're not what the majority of the medium is made up of, no really. yeah there is a, there is a lot of it out there it's just not like what bleeding calls covering no most of it's small press as well so yeah. i love small press i really stuff, yeah. just love the slice of life even if it's fiction like this or if it's non-fiction it's the um the just the storytelling through the pictures as well as the words is so powerful and it's nice to have that rather than just reading blocks and blocks of text mm. that sounds terrible because i do I have a really i have a really good imagination i can imagine <laughs> i don't know but I love, this is why i love the me- i love this medium as well i've been thinking a lot about um i've been thinking a lot about how with tv and comics and films i can just mindlessly consume them because it is such an easy way to uh, uh to consume a story for me whereas a book has to be per like i have to be perfectly enjoying a book if i'm going to get through it these yeah. days if if there's anything about it that i find boring or whatever i'll get but i read i read an awful lot of for example i read an awful lot of uh superhero comics that really are just about moving the story along for those characters and there's nothing necessarily special about the way that story's told. Yeah. Whereas with a novel, I have got a copy of the... I'm going in my bag. That's the noise you can hear, listener. Um, I've got Lee Child's first Jack Reacher book in my bag because I, I intend to force myself to read some just pulpy blockbuster, the sorts of things that are really popular right now. Yeah. Because I can watch action movies that aren't anything special and have no trouble with it but I can't apparently do that with books and it's the same thing with comics like yeah sometimes it's easier to read a comic than it is a novel doesn't mean they're any less sort of um, valuable yeah and I think it, and it, it's nice to see someone else's interpretation of the story as well mm. so how have they imagined it and then put it down onto a page of how they're picturing the scene and how things are going to unfold what are you to... looking up? You're looking oh, somewhere. Oh, God, I know. I really just want to, because I just mentioned a book and then gave you half a title and maybe half the... Um, and I should just text James and that would be the easiest thing to do. Oh, but, but you never know when you're going to get him. Hang yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, Graphic novel about 
kibbutz. Yeah, I did that. You get a lot of weird. I'm using DuckDuckGo. Is that what it's called? I don't know what that is. It's a search um, engine. Ruth, Ruth Modan. No, Duck, that's Duck the Go. illustrator. No, hang on. I think this is what people it's tune like in for. It's like how to something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for our vagueness. Uh no, it isn't it isn't Rutu Modan, that's Exit Wounds. I know that that book, but it isn't that isn't the one. Isn't it called A Year in Oh never mind. <laughs> a Year in Israel. Or something like that, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I should Oh, hang on. Hang on. Might be there. No, I need to be able to see you properly. How to Understand Israel in Sixty Days that's or Less it. by Sarah Glidden. That's it. So I had Israel and I had Sarah. Um, I'll, oh, yeah, I mean, so we, we were practically there. I was practically I'll, there. <laughs> I'll cut it together so that doesn't sound incompetent. Don't worry. <laughs> Thanks. I think, I think we both did really well there. Thank you. Um, that's textbook podcast. That's thing. a very good book, and I recommend you, you read that book. I also recommend that you read this book. This book was very good. That's Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabrielle Barr. I don't feel like I've done it justice, but again, I think it's a, I think this similar to Casanova, the things that they pick are not easy and straightforward. Mm-hmm. The things they, they pick to be creative on aren't. So it sounds really mundane. A, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but it, it is a family drama. But mm-hmm. just reading it is a completely different... Reading it in this format, in this medium, is a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And it was brilliant. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I highly recommend it. Cool. And like I said, now post Brexit, it's probably like a hundred million pounds. Go to the library. Yeah. Would this be in the library? Might be. You can ask for stuff. Can at I the donate library. to library? Say hey. Well, don't donate your hey. copy. That's ridiculous. They can oh, sort it. Out. It's I think. Copy. Um, I think they can order stuff at the library. So, uh, you go in the library. You go into the library and you say, uh, "I want to read Two Brothers by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Barr," and they'll say something like. Is that a, a is that a, a book? And you'll say no, it's a graphic novel. And they'll say, is it a comic? And you'll say yeah. And they'll say, is it like superheroes? And you'll say no, it's a proper it's a proper. And it gets very confusing. You have to explain what you mean by graphic novel to them. But eventually, they'll just look it up on their system and order it from one of the other branches, not stores. Libraries don't have stores. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There might be the future. If you can borrow it from our library in town, that's a very satisfying experience going to our library here in it's San Francisco. It's a Anton nice town. library. It's a nice library with an art gallery attached. It's really unusual because it is one of the nicest things about the city. Yeah. And it's attached to the uh, the where you go to... Look at Titanic. Oh. oh, and get married. Oh, yeah. I was thinking it's oh, yeah, attached to where you go in to sign paperwork for all sorts of like Boring stuff. It's a civic centre. Yeah, it's a civic centre. And the Titanic Museum. Yeah. Where it's called, I can't remember now. Maritime. And one of the only places where you can go and see a decent-sized band in Southampton. Yes, which I'll it's be doing all, next week. all there in one place. The police used to be in we there as well. Them. I don't know what, what's oh, there now. I think the police are still there. Are they? Oh, no, they've got their new thing now, haven't they? Just yeah, down the new, road. the new thing, a police station. It's but massive. It's not really police yeah. station. Like, police stations are supposed to be like a... Crime's on the rise. We're one of the most violent cities in the country, apparently. Is it because our roads are so bad and we get really angry about it? It might be that. I, yeah, I can understand that. It might be all the white English people. They're so aggressive. <sighs> um... Thank you, Jane. That sounds awesome. Thanks, Nick. I, it, it looks lovely. It does look really nice. I am not doing it justice. It is brilliant. I really just read it. Then you'll know. And you go, oh, you're an idiot, but you were right. Well, I mean, we keep meaning to like work out how to pronounce names and stuff in advance, but none of us has ever got any better at it. Because <sighs> I, I, in my head, I say it perfectly. Well, in your head, I... you don't. You've noticed that I can't pronounce any words, right? It's because it's because um, I didn't talk to people much when I was younger. I've worked out. I, yeah. I learned a lot of words from reading comics and books, and 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 never really saying them out loud. So I've got quite a good vocabulary, but people still don't have a fucking clue what I'm on about. Valkyrie, it's Valkyrie, isn't it? Not Valkyrie. Yes, yeah, Valkyrie. Yeah, you see, that's one of the words I quite often get wrong. Oh, there's loads I get wrong. I even read them wrong, but I like how I read them more than the actual way that they're said. Yeah, real out like words out loud are, are boring. Apart from tarpaulin, tarpaulin is the nicest word to say. Do you love tarpaulin? Yeah, I love. What about gusset? Gusset. Not I don't as much. think gusset's a good word. Tarpaulin, satisfying. Gusset's the least pleasing part of a garment as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sounds it, like it should be inside a bird as well. Yeah, it's literally only used to catch like sweat, <laughs> gross stuff. <laughs> Um, thank you, Jane. That sounds awesome. Uh, and you're like, we'll, we will do a proper, uh, studio episode again soon where I've actually read some comics and I can talk to you about them. But, um, but, uh, but not this week. Do you want to say goodbye to the listener? Bye, listener. So that was episode 113. I'm going to try and read some comics for next week's show. Uh, that seems like a good idea, doesn't it? I'm going to stop putting it off and start reading comics. I do like comics, so I don't know why I haven't uh, read any. But um, Peter's enthusiasm about Scalped has really got me excited to dip back into that. Probably won't talk about that because he just did. Uh, I really like the first couple of volumes of it, but it's quite difficult. It's actually, when I was trying to get it, it was actually pretty difficult to get hold of uh, because of DC's hilariously bad uh, graphic novel policy at the time. Uh but it's a pretty great comic, he's absolutely right. And uh, I really want to read the books that Jane's talking about, but it's going to be a while before my budget allows. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to need to try and read some comics for next time. Otherwise, this uh, ends up being quite a weird proposition for me, to be honest. Anyway, so, uh, remember to rate and review us at your podcatcher of choice. Uh, do follow us on Twitter at IssuesPod. And, um, or on Facebook at the, uh, we have issues page. And, uh, the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash TOTP. Uh, thank you to our contributor, uh, Peter. Thank you to Jane for, uh, talking to me in the studio. And thank you to our patrons, patron patrons for patronizing us. And, uh, thank you, listener, for, uh, just listening. Thank you for just listening. Uh, I'll speak to you again next week or next episode. I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's time gets complicated in podcasts. I'll speak to you on the next episode, unless you're listening to them out of order because you want to hear about a particular comic, in which case I'll speak. I'll probably speak to you on whichever podcast uh, episode of this you listen to next, or unless you're changing it up and maybe you will listen to a hello Newman, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, that's, uh, um, hello Newman com. Um, in which case you won't hear me, but maybe you'll listen to a two grown men. I don't know. I don't know. It's entirely up to you. Podcasts are, are, are on, on you really. You might listen to comedy bang bang. So, um, it won't be me talking to you. It'll be Scott Orkerman. Could be anyone really. Podcasts are magical, but conf- confusing. They're very, very confusing. <laughs>